I'm excited about this word today, and I want to begin by asking you, what motivates people to change? What motivates you to change? Turns out there's different motivators for different people, and there's different motivators for each of us probably at different times of our life. Now, we're in this series called Transitions for Growth. It's about changes we need to make as, as, as individuals, as believers, to grow in our faith. Uh, and uh, the last couple of weeks, we talked about transitions in growth for our, for our church and changes that we're making in our church, in our, in our wineskin, in our, the time we meet. Remember, on Easter, that's changing to 10. We're changing some things just to facilitate the growth of what God's doing. But today, I'm preaching on motivation for transition. And I wanted to preach this message like way in the, 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 the front of this series. And you all know how every week God kind of changed my message during this series. And, and, uh, and uh, so I just had to go with the flow of what I felt the Spirit was leading us to do. But today I'm preaching on motivation for transition. And I want you to know that I've not always been a pastor. I've always been in church. But I, for, for many years I worked in business before I was in ministry. And, and I've been around a lot of successful people. In the church and outside the church. I've been around a lot of unsuccessful people in the church and outside the church. And I've noticed that successful people tend to embrace change. And unsuccessful people tend to resist change. And when I talk about success, always remember it's knowing and doing the will of God for your life. It's it's success as God describes it. And, And... Successful people usually know where they need to change, but unsuccessful people tend to not even think they need to change. And successful people take the responsibility to change, but unsuccessful people blame everybody else for their lack of change. Successful people are motivated to change. Unsuccessful people are not usually not motivated to change. Every successful person I know, whether it's in business or in ministry or in family or in finances, they know their strengths, they know their weaknesses, they have an improvement plan to change. And every unsuccessful person I know is in one of two extremes. Either they think they are beyond hope and they cannot change, or they don't even see the need to change. So where are you? What's your strengths? What's your weaknesses? We'll call them growth areas. Where do you need to change? What's your plan for change? If you don't see any need to change or have a plan to change, you're going to stay exactly where you are, like you are. And listen to this. I learned this years ago. Most people want change to happen in their lives or in their families. They want change to happen, especially in their circumstances, And usually, especially in their spouse. (laughs) Lord, if you would just change my spouse, everything would be all right. But they themselves don't want to do the hard work of changing. And if you're where, if you're right where God wants you to be in life, that's awesome. But if you're not, there's some changing that needs to happen, some transitions that need to happen. And here's some truth for you. The choices you've made, the actions you've taken so far in your life have worked perfectly to get you to the place where you are right now. You're a product of your past choices, your past actions. Listen, I know we can't control what happens to us. 
But we can control our responses to what happens to us. And we can't go through life blaming circumstances or blaming other people. Well, we can, but if we do that, we're never going to change and we're never going to achieve what God wants us to. And if where you are is not where you want to be or where you need to be, you need to make some different choices and take some different actions. As Albert Einstein said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over but expecting different results. I mean, most of us who've been married for years, we were, we're, we're going on, what, 49 years? I mean, it's like you could script most of your arguments out. You know, you, you, could, you could write them out in advance. I'm going to say this, I'm going to say, she's going to say that, and then I'm going to say this, and she's going to say that, and I'm going to push this button, and she's going to push that button. I, I mean, you know just exactly how it's going to go, and you just repeat the same thing. So somebody says, I'm going to stop pushing buttons. Listen, if, you've always, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. So even if you've experienced some success in life, remember this. What, you, what got you here will not necessarily get you there to the place where you want to go. We've always got to be in transition, in growth, in change. God's always growing us from faith to faith, from glory to glory. We're always in this process. And, and if you want to go farther than you've gone, you're going to have to make some changes. If you want to go higher or deeper than you've gone, you've got to make some changes. If you want to accomplish more, you've got to make some changes. And, and listen, this is, a, this is a truth. Listen to this. Nothing's going to get better on its own. It's actually a law of the, one of the laws of the universe, the way God said things to themselves tend to disorder. Don't maintain your car. See if it gets better on its own. Don't mow your yard or fertilize it. See if it gets better on your own. Don't discipline your children or love your children. Don't just leave them to their own and see, see how it goes. Listen, your, magic, your, your family is not going to magically get better. Your, your marriage is not going to magically get better. Your finances will not magically get better. Your job will not just magically get better. Your grades at school will not magically get better. We've got to make some changes in our marriages, in our families, in our jobs, in, in ourselves. And I want to t- help you today and teach you and help motivate you to, to get you where God wants you to be. And that's what everything we do is about. It's what Sunday morning is about. It's what worship is about. It's, it's mainly about glorifying God, but it's about edifying the believers and changing us and building us up. It's why we have small groups. It's why we have Bible studies. It's why we decide disciple. It's why we pray. It's why we have Financial Peace University. Ricky Lowry is going to be leading that. I'm telling you, people need to be discipled in their finances. Listen, look at the economy. You got banks failing. You got things happening. You need to get your finances in order. You've been waiting for a time to do that. Let me tell you, this is the time. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to make some changes. No money is not going to just automatically come falling out of heaven. Changes have to be made. And with God's help, we can all change. God can make you what he wants you to be. God can help you achieve what he wants you to achieve. And a big key is knowing what God wants for us. Remember my words for this morning, faith and expectation? What are you expecting from God? Some people quit expecting. Your expector is broke. I went through a season in my life where I did that, where I thought, you know what? I, if I have no expectation, then I won't have any disappointment. 
But what I learned was if I have no expectation, I get no nothing because I have no faith. I'm not believing for anything. I'm not expecting anything. I'm not disappointed, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm not changing. I'm not growing. But the Amplified Version of 2 Corinthians 9a says, God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Listen, we all go through some tough times, especially when we're growing or you get laid off. There's always times when you need help. But God wants to bring us to the place where we are the ones who are helping. We are the ones who are giving out to others. God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to have enough that our needs are met and that we can help other people. God wants us to reach uh, uh, his, his full potential for our lies, but it's not going to just automatically happen. Hope so is not a strategy for growth. So what causes true change? Listen, with God's help, you can change. And God uses lots of things to change us. One of the main things he uses is the word of God, the Bible. He uses preaching. He uses teaching. He uses worship. Discipleship begins with beholding us, beholding his presence. And as we see him, we're transformed into his image from glory to glory. God uses other people. God, God uses some people you don't like that, that get under your skin. That they're change agents. He's showing you some stuff. Man, I didn't know that was in me. That's that, what is that junk coming out of me? Well, God, thank God he's using that person to show you what he wants to change in your life. He uses circumstances. As we've taught the last couple of weeks, he uses the, the five-fold ministry to help us change and to grow. But, but before people change, they've got to be motivated to change. So I ask you again, what motivates people to change? I once heard John Maxwell, great leadership, strong Christian man, was a pastor. He's one of the the main leadership experts in the world, he made this statement. People change when they learn enough that they want to change, when they receive enough that they're able to change, or when they hurt enough that they have to change. So you can choose which one of those motivations you respond to. You can change by revelation. You can change by impartation. Or you can change by devastation. You get to choose. Now listen, God will take you the easiest way you will go. Some people always choose the hard way. They refuse to change until they, everything falls apart. They hurt so bad that they have to change. Marriages fall apart, family, finances, health. They wait until they hit rock bottom. I've known a lot of people that I thought hit bottom. Then I learned there was a basement. And then under the basement was a sub-basement. And under the sub-basement was a cellar. And in that cellar was a trap door leading I don't know how far down. <laughs> Some people wait till they hit bottom until they change. They don't eat right or exercise, even though they know they should, until they have a heart attack. And the, and the doctor says, change or die. They don't study until their grade point average is so low that the school says change or you'll be expelled. They don't give their best at work until they give their they get a final warning that says change or you're fired. They don't try to make their marriage work until their spouse says change or goodbye. Unfortunately, many people wait too long and it comes it's too late. I'd rather 
learn enough to want to change and receive enough to, to be able to change without having to hit rock bottom first. I can't tell you how many times somebody's come into my office and, and, and for counseling, and I said, well, why are you here? And they say, well, my spouse left me, and I'm ready to make changes in my life. And I always want to say to them, where were you a month ago, two months ago, a year ago? Why did you wait till everything fell apart? Why didn't you believe it when your spouse said things are bad? Why didn't you come for marriage counseling when they begged you to and you refused to? I just don't see the need for it. Now you're here. Now they're gone. Now, now it's really hard. Now I've seen God perform miracles at that point and put things back together. But it never should have gotten close to that point. But through pride or selfishness, sometimes people don't want to change. They want the spouse just to do all the changing. But every one of us has some changing to do. And fortunately, we, specialize, we serve a God who specializes in change. Think about this. The ultimate change is when we give our lives to Him. It happens when we're saved, when we're born again, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, repent of our sins and going our own way and turn to Him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Change starts right there, but it's a lifelong process of change. And our job is to respond to God and tap into the power of God. Even in the tough points of, uh, of life, tough times can be turning points for us. Isaiah 41, 18 says, God can turn the desert into pools of water and parched ground into springs. Isaiah 42, 16 says, God can turn darkness into light before them and make rough places smooth. Jeremiah 31, 13 says, God can turn mourning into gladness and give us comfort and joy instead of sorrow. God can do all these things. He can make a way where there seems to be no way. He can turn darkness into light. He can turn deserts into an ocean. He can turn sadness into gladness. There's nothing beyond God ability to change we serve a God who changes not but thank God he's faithful in helping us change go ahead if you're going to give him some praise give it to him we don't do patty cake praise here we, we just we go all out with it and sometimes change happens when we get in hard times Joseph had a turning point in a prison cell Jonah had a turning point in a fish David had a turning point when he faced a giant. Saul had a turning point when God knocked him off a donkey. Some people change. It takes tough time for them to change. Some people change by revelation. The woman at the well changed when she had a revelation of Jesus Christ. Isaiah changed when he had a revelation of God filling the glory of God, filling the temple. He said, woe is me. I'm unclean. I have unclean lips. He had re repentance and godly sorrow that changed him forever. Some changed by, by impartation. The disciples were changed from fear to faith when they received the impartation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Change happened that changed them from people fearing people to being out in the streets proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Some people change by revelation, some by impartation. Some don't change to the point of devastation. I've been through three hurricanes in my life. One, a very big one, uh, 1965 in uh, New Orleans, Hurricane Betsy, that tore that place up like Katrina. And I, I've seen many times, you've seen it on the news, probably this last hurricane that hit Florida, it went hit Sanibel, one of our favorite places to go, Sanibel Island, that we've gone to for years, many, many times. 
and the place just got devastated. But as always, there were people there who were told to leave. They said, do not stay. The storm surge is going to be like 15, 20 feet. It's higher than your house. Don't, don't, don't stay. But they chose to stay. They survived the storm, got up in the attic, did whatever, cut a hole in the roof. But then after it's over, there's no water, there's no electricity, there's no food. There's snakes and alligators in the water. There's no phone service. Now they're anxious to leave. The revelation of the coming storm did not change them. Oh, I've been through a hurricane before. I'll, I'll, I'll be okay. The impartation of the government and other people saying, we will help you get off of this island, did not move them. What caused change? Total devastation got their attention, and now they're ready to move. And I've seen the same people do the same exact thing with their lives. Hearing warnings. From the word of God, hearing prophetic warnings, hearing priest warnings, hearing warnings of the Holy Spirit in, in their own spirit and their, and their conscience. And I've seen them ignore that. I've seen them ignore other people saying, I love you. I'm praying for you. I want to I help you. And then they say, I, I don't need you. I don't need nobody. And unfortunately, they come to a place where they destroy everything around them. And sometimes it even impacts innocent people. One of the greatest Bible stories that talks about this, someone coming to a turning point by hitting rock bottom is the familiar story of the prodigal son. We find it in Luke 14 about a son who asked his father for an inheritance, then went out and blew it all. The word prodigal, prodigal means wasteful. He wasted everything that the father gave him. Now remember in this story, the father represents the heavenly father, the good God who gives to us. The son represents us. And the younger son, the Bible says, got all together all he had, set off for a distant company, country. And by the way, all he had came from his father. Every good and perfect gift you have comes from the father of lights, with whom is no variable nor shadow of turning. Every good thing you have. But he set off on his own. That's the essence of sin. Going your own way, doing your own thing. Isaiah 53 talks about that. He set off for a distant country and squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizen of that country who sent him in his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the paws that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses... He said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, and then he rehearses this speech, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Sin is first against God and then against others. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. And this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. While he was still a long way off. Don't you love that? He didn't have to get all the way back to the father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion, and ran to his son, 
threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son wants to give now his, his, his feast speech that he rehearsed. Father, I've sinned against you and, and against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father interrupts him. And he said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and fill it. Let's have a feast and, and, and feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The prodigal son had to learn the hard way. Listen, he did not change by revelation. He saw the goodness of his father. He knew his father was good. He knew his father would give him whatever he asked. But that, in, that wasn't enough. He did not change by impartation. The father gave him what he asked for. How many of you have asked God for something, he gave it to you, and you still went your own way? He didn't change to the point of death, devastation and desperation. He had to hit bottom. And when he hit bottom, he came to his senses. He came to his right mind. He had a change of mind that led to a change of heart that changed his behavior. That's called repentance. It's a change of heart that results in a change of mind that results in a changed life. Repentance is more than just feeling sorry. Repentance is more than just asking for forgiveness. Listen, when you confess your sin, you receive forgiveness. But it takes repentance to change. Because repentance means not just to feel sorry, but it literally means to turn. To turn from going your way and to turn to God. And the prodigal son did three things when he hit bottom. He repented, he renewed his mind, and he replaced his wrong attitudes and wrong thinking with right attitudes and right thinking. And these three keys are three keys to change. We all need them. Write them down. Repenting, which is a heart issue. It begins there. Renewing, renewing the mind, which is a head issue. It has to do with our thinking. And replacing, which is a hands issue or an actions issue, it has to do with the way we live. Change starts in the heart. God works from the inside out. We work out with fear and trembling what God works in us. And if you try to change outwardly your behavior without an inward change of heart, that change will not last. That's why just say no does not work. You've got to have something to just say yes to. And true change goes then beyond the heart. It affects our head. It affects our thinking. It affects our actions. Uh, Listen, life's not changed by good intentions. It's changed by actions. The prodigal son had to go beyond intentions. He thought in his mind, here's, hey, I could go back to my dad. I could do this. I could do this. But he had to get up, turn around, go back to the, go back to his father. He had to get up, get out, get down the road. And he had to do something different. And there's two things we've got to do to, to, to re- change. To, those two things are what we've got to do. We've got to renew our minds with God's Word and replace wrong behavior with right behavior. We've got to understand the biblical concept of putting off and putting on. Listen to Ephesians 4, 22 through 32. Regarding your former way of life, put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind... And put on the new self, which was created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. He said, look, change your heart, change your mind, change your actions. And he, he gives us practical ways to do it. Therefore, put away lying and speak truthfully with your neighbor, for we're members of one another. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. See, not doing these things gives the devil a foothold. We wonder, how did the devil get in this situation? Well, we gave him a foothold, and if you give him a foothold and you don't deal with it, it will become a stronghold and rule your life. 
Let him who steals steal no more. Let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him work doing something useful with his hands that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building others up. Wow, if we all did that one. According to their needs, not your needs to to speak, but their need to hear, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ Jesus forgave us. This shows us keys to changing our behavior. Changing it starts with, with putting something off and then putting something on, replacing it. Stop lying, put it off, but put on telling the truth. Quit stealing, but get a job. Stop cutting people down and start building people up. Stop being angry and mean all the time. Start being nice and kind. The point is we've got to just say yes. And without that positive replacement, the no is so much harder. We see this principle all through the Bible. Colossians 3, 9 and 10 says, You have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. With God's help, you can change. With God's help, all of us can change, but it requires repentance, turning to God. It requires, it requires renewing our mind with the Word of God. It re- repl- requires replacing the old man and his ways with the new. When we're born again, we're a new creation, but that, and that old person is dead. But the old man's ways are ingrained in us, and we have habits and ways of doing things that must be put off, and new habits must be put on. And so listen, many of you are at a turning point today. With God's help, you can change. Some of you have hit bottom. Like the prodigal son, you're a long ways off from the father. But with God's help, you can change. Listen, Satan always tries to put as much distance between you and God as he can. And the way back starts with stopping where you're headed. Remember the first rule of getting out of a hole? Stop digging! The enemy wants to tell you lies. He's going to tell you things like, you've gone too far. Father won't take you back. You've done too much to be forgiven. You, you, you've too, you're too dirty. Try to clean yourself up. You think you can clean yourself up to come to God? you got the wrong idea. Look at the prodigal son. He came home to the father, and the father cleaned him up. You come to God, he cleans you up. Remember that. While he was still a long ways off, the father saw him filled with compassion. He ran to him, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And you may be a great way off from God, but if you will run towards him, he will run towards you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. He'll meet you where you are. I know you've had good intentions in the past. I know you've resolved to change so many times and tried and failed, but the Lord is calling you to himself today. He's calling your heart. He's saying, he's calling and speaking into your heart. I can help you. I can change you. I can clean you up. Let me do it. Let me have your life. Would you just turn to me and and just come to me? Take the first step. Come home. Resist what Satan has told you. Come home and let the Father receive you. With his help, you can change. This today is a turning point for many of you. Choose wisely. Choose to stop running. Choose to stop digging. Choose to stop going your own way. Choose to turn to him. And he will change your life forever. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. 
And God, I, I pray you take my attempt to put, speak your word and that you would use it and send it forth into hearts of people. Let it not come back void. Let it bear fruit. I pray for those who have never known you, never been born again, never repented, always gone their own way, haven't seen the need for you. God, would you reveal yourself to them? Would you reveal themselves to themselves? Let them see, God, that they need you. We all need you. Without you, we are lost and without hope. God, I pray you draw them to you. For those who have known you but have gone astray and gone their own way, God, would you call them back? Call them back, Lord. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. We used to sing that. We used to also sing, Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. Lord, for those who think they're too dirty, they've done too much, they've gone too far, God, would you draw them to run to them right now? Draw them unto yourself. And would you begin the process of cleaning them up? For those all, for all of us who need have areas of need and need to be changed in our lives, God, would you show us? Would you show us next steps? Would you show us where we need to repent? Would you show us what we need to do? I pray it in Jesus' name.